Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Brad McBride. He's an assistant district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in West Cleveland, North Royalton, technically, right, Brad? That is correct. Well, welcome to the show, and we are talking all about spring, and since I am a native Clevelander, I can sure appreciate spring on the horizon uh, after a long winter. I don't know about you. When you're thinking spring and trees, what what's the first thing you, you think about when you're going to be going out to a property this time of the year? Well, as you said, I mean, everyone's happy to see green grass. Uh, we had the snow melt and, you know, we saw some turf. We're, we're getting ready for spring. We get some warm days here and there. One of the things that we like to look at when you are coming out of wintertime is how a property behaves in terms of drainage. I mean, when you have a big snow melt and saturated soils, it's a good time to take a look at a property to see where those drainage issues are. Because a lot of what we deal with in terms of keeping plants healthy are environmental issues. And so those aren't always available for you to evaluate. And water being one of them, it's a good time in spring to, to take a look at how a property drains and whether or not it's affecting plant health. Well, in the the time that I've been doing this podcast, we've talked a lot about that, a lot about the issues, you know, certainly right tree, right place. But that's a great point to look at an area that might be holding water and that could affect a tree negatively. Now, I've heard about something called dormant oil or horticultural oil. Is that something that is is that you guys use out in the field? We do. And, you know, our company markets pretty heavily on the benefits of horticultural or dormant oil, but it is just a component of plant health care. There are many other products that might achieve the same or better results. And oftentimes you get the best results when you're comprehensive with your plant health care program, which is why I mentioned environmental issues, because an environmental issue like poor drainage can stress a plant out that would attract pest activity. And therefore, it might require a multifaceted approach to management. But horticultural oil is a good product because typically it has a low toxicity and it can be applied in a dormant season when many other products aren't effective. All right. Since I have you here, I'm going to pick your brain because I've got a lot of hemlocks. Those hemlocks have hemlock woolly adalgid, and that's what I'm trying to to battle them with, horticultural oil. Uh, What time of the year should I be applying that? Well, horticultural oils can be applied multiple times per year. The best the best way to do things is to make sure that you read the label and that you follow the restrictions that are on the label. When it comes to managing a pest like woolly adelgid, it can be challenging because we're talking about using a product that's meant to coat the entire surface of the plant. A lot of times hemlock woolly adelgid is found on the underside of the leaf. And so, you know, you could be in the right position if you're spraying a tall tree from the ground, but you can understand how difficult it might be to fully cover a plant to make sure that you're getting you know, thorough results, which is why I said, you know, a lot of times it's good to have a multifaceted approach. And I would think that there are other products that may be systemic or something that would, you know, improve the results you're getting by looking at um, multiple seasons, multiple ways to manage a plant health. Well, one thing for the hemlock, Willie Adelgid, I'm always glad when we get a real 
serious cold spell because that usually knocks them back a little bit, at least in my property. So another thing, you know, we were talking about moisture in the soil. When do you start planting trees? You know, we're very excited now coming out of this. And I always worry, especially when you see the snow melt, that it might be too wet to plant. So how do we make that decision? Well, it's a case by case basis. You know, planting trees in springtime is a very common time to have that done. And you do find saturated soil conditions a lot of times. And so you have to question your methods and how you're going to get it done without, you know, causing an impact on the site. So spring is a great time to plant, but it can also be challenging to access properties with saturated soils and placing them appropriately. Um, but, but, you know, visiting a property in springtime can show you a lot about your site and whether or not it's appropriate for the tree that you selected. When you're thinking spring trees and those first trees to bud out and bloom, what's one or two of your favorites when you think about a spring property? Well, everybody's always eager to see a forsythia bloom, the, the bright yellow shrubs. And, you know, we're up in the Cleveland area and I've heard reports that in the Columbus area, forsythia is already blooming. That's one that's going to get everyone excited, even though it's not a very popular landscape plant, one that's of high value. It is one that everyone sees and realizes spring is here when you start seeing flush yellow blooms. Well, there's no doubt about that. And I can't wait to see my forsythia bloom. Besides that, crabapple is another one of our favorites. I mean, although crabapples have disease issues, uh, apple scab being the main culprit, they are one of the most showy flowering trees in springtime. They have such a good variety of colors. They have profuse blooms. Um, so you, you got to love a crab apple and then, you know, your flowering cherries. If, you know, if you've never been to Washington DC to see the cherry blossoms and you like trees, you should definitely make some time on your calendar to visit that and see that. And it might inspire you to plant a flowering cherry here in Ohio or wherever else you may live. Well, I love crab apples. I often talk tell arborists that I've got one right outside the kitchen window. And actually I had a pine tree come down on that, that uh, crab apple and my local team from Davie was looking at that crab apple and they're kind of like, well, it's about a 50, 50 chance. I said, anything you can do to save that thing. And, And he's like, let's cut here. Let's cut there. And that's been five, six years. And the crab apple is, is definitely looking great the way that they trimmed it. But talk a little bit about that apple scab and how you guys deal with that. Well, you brought up another good point too. So one on apple scab, you know, if you have a crab apple tree and you've ever noticed it losing leaves in late summer, early fall, you're not getting the best that you can get out of your tree. They, that leaf disease called apple scab does cause trees to defoliate earlier than they should. And you know, crab apples have fall color. If, if you didn't know that, that means you've had a tree dropping leaves earlier than it should. So you can get, if you have a crab apple and you want it to be as nice as it can be, treating it with fungicide is a, a thing that you should consider. If you do not want to commit to that, similar to like an ash tree, if you want to save an ash tree, you need to commit to systemic insecticide treatments to manage emerald ash borer. Those things are something you should consider to be ongoing and forever if you want the best results out of your tree. Not everyone you know, is willing to accept that. So you may want to consider removing and replacing that tree with a disease resistant variety. There are crab apples out there that have disease resistance, but they may not be what you're looking for. It may not be the shape of a tree you want or the color of flower that you want. And so if you desire a crab apple with a certain shape and color and it does have disease problems, 
then you just have to realize that treating that is something you're going to have to do and you're going to have to commit to to get the best looking tree. Well, and in my case, this is a tree that I've been looking at for 23 years. I, I, I put some other crab apples in that are disease resistant, but this one is a special one. And it definitely needs uh, treated with fungicide because we do lose the leaves probably every other year, maybe every third year. You know, when you have a real wet season, you get apple scab pretty bad. At least we do here. Yeah. When it comes to pests and disease, seasonal fluctuations, yearly weather patterns, they do influence pest and disease activity. And so, as you said, some one year might not be as bad as the other, um, but you know, it is something that people should be aware of. And you pointed out that your tree was something special to you. And the tree is what? How old is it now? 23, 24 years old? Right. Well, five years ago, someone told you that you might need to cut it down. You know, trees do have life expectancies just like people do. And, you know, when they're cared for poorly, it shortens their life expectancy. It doesn't mean that the tree needs to be removed right now. That's up for you to decide what your tolerance for risk is or what your tolerance for the way your property looks aesthetically. And so if a, you know, a tree company tells you to cut down a tree, you have the choice to make. It's, it's your decision to decide whether or not you can tolerate a tree that might not look as good as another one, or if you can tolerate the possibility that a portion of the tree may fail. Did you just bust me? And say that I'm taking care of my crab apple poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you don't know, you don't know. And so there, are, like I said, you know, taking care of plants is multifaceted. It, it, you look at the the structure of the plant, whether or not it's going to fail. You look at the health and the vigor of the plant, determine if it's doing well, and then you try to you try to make suggestions. You take recommendations. I mean, like I said, everyone has choices to make. You could think of it as a financial portfolio. Are you? Can you tolerate a high level of risk or are you conservative and you don't want to you don't want any chance for failure? Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Well, um, as a young man, let's say a teenager, I was really into landscaping, you know, cutting grass, weed whipping, wearing sleeveless shirts, getting a suntan. And, you know, I I like being outside. And so, you know, going through college, I was working with Davy Tree in the summertime and, and it was the best place I'd ever worked. It was a place that was reliable, took care of their employees, um, had a structure for a career path. And I started to realize in college that I didn't want to be a teacher, that I wanted to work outside. And I had a company that I was working for that I saw a career path with. And, you know, like I said, I was in college. And so I, I started to realize that. And so I'd started to fashion my education towards trees. I studied biology, but in that field, you have areas to focus on. And so I focused more on tree management and trees. And then I set myself up for an internship after college with Davy Resource Group as an urban forester. And so I started with Davy Tree in 2005 as a groundman at the Akron office and, you know, did that for a couple summers. After I graduated, I got into a consulting role and then transferred back to the residential service line as a salesman in 2017. Um, so the career path's been great. I've worked for multiple offices, multiple service lines. Uh, I have, you know, the most respect for Davey as a place to hang your hat to, you know, a career, a place that I feel comfortable investing in. Um, and something I would challenge somebody on and I would ask them, you know, if the place that you work were a, a inst institution to invest in, would you invest in it? And I can wholeheartedly say that investing in Davy Tree is something I feel great about. And it's paid off and, and shown me that it's worth my time. 
Well, I, I want to continue on that uh, track because you and I were talking for about five minutes before we started here. Uh, being from Cleveland, uh, loving our Cleveland Browns, me living in Pittsburgh and seeing what the Pittsburgh Steelers do, you had an interesting analogy about kind of looking at Davey as this great team. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, you know, as you were asking me how I got into Davy Tree, you know, it started off with a love for working outside and being, you know, working with plants. It eventually developed into sales for something I was passionate about and now management, which is an open book. It's so dynamic. And, you know, what we were talking about with the Browns is the fact that culture is a big thing you have to focus on how to manage. And we assembled teams of educated, um, highly skilled, motivated uh, physically gifted employees and, that create our team, well, you still have a dynamic that is the culture in your office and the attitudes and the egos and how to assemble those things so that everyone's on the same page and seeking the same goals. And we realize we're, we're fending for ourselves. We're representing the company, which as an employee-owned company, we should all be owners in. And so, you know, focusing on on that has been a challenge. And it's also been something that's it's enjoy. It's enjoy. You know, it's something I enjoy. I mean, um, every day is is new. Every every day presents a new challenge, and it is it is always something to continue to develop, continue to work on um, the culture management here. That's awesome. So let's go back to, to a little bit about uh, spring and trees. You're looking at where the snow is melting and draining, but tell me a little bit about when you go to a property at this time of the year and you're looking up. Yeah, this time of year is still great time to evaluate tree structure. You know, over the winter, we've had several ice storms, several windy, windy days, several heavy snows. Um, when the leaves are not on the tree, it's a really good opportunity to evaluate the structure. You're looking for cracks and trunks. You're looking for broken or hanging limbs. You're looking for those things that can affect the safety on a property. I mean, when it comes to looking at tree risk, we look at the trees on a property. We determine... What's the most likely thing to fail on this tree? Is it the entire tree? Is it a portion of the tree? If it were to fail, what would it hit? Is the target that we're looking at movable? It could be a parked car. Um, it could be your house, in which case it is not movable. And then we decide if this tree, if this tree or this portion of this tree were to fail and strike the target we're looking at, what would be the outcome? And so we wait, we evaluate, we evaluate those things and we weigh those things to decide what's the highest priority on a property. And you know, like I like I was saying earlier about you know, feeling someone out for their tolerance for risk and what they're looking for aesthetically on their property. They guide the decision and and it helps us prioritize a plan for their property based on their tolerance for risk or their acceptance of uh, how things look. So one thing that I think homeowners neglect often is fertilization. And so at what point do we get into the season where we start fertilizing trees? Fertilization of trees can happen at any time the ground is not frozen. We typically try to do it um, when we, the whole property can be accessed. So obviously, you know, case by case basis, if if a portion of the property is inundated with water, not a good time to fertilize. But if it's drained out and it's accessible, then the fertilizer we use, which is based on industry standards, is a slow release product. It's intended to be in the soil until it's consumed by the plant. So delivering that fertilizer um, is beneficial at all times per year. Fall and spring may be best, but in summer it could be as well because 
a lot of times our customers benefit from multiple visits per season. So if you're an individual like yourself that gets three apple uh, apple scab treatments in spring, we're going to be on your property three times in spring. We have the opportunity to observe something else that's going on your property to make a recommendation for later time. If you say, well, the only other thing I want to do is fertilizer, then we might spread that out a little bit. So we have the opportunity to visit your property in another season and make sure that we're doing the best we can to monitor your property and, and catch things before they become a problem. Um, we also have routine inspection and treatment services. But what I'm saying is, I guess we try to do the best we can with people knowing what their needs are to spread our services in a way that we have the chance to make recommendations. So with people getting ready to plant trees, you know, pretty soon they're going to be out there looking. I'd like you to talk a little bit about one of the things that is I know is so important is making sure that this tree is going to have room to do what it wants as it gets mature. Because I know as an arborist, and, and I, I feel the same way, when I look at a tree that's planted in the wrong spot, it, it breaks my heart because I know in five years, something's going to have to change. Yeah. Well, you could say that that situation could be planting trees in a row where you plant them heavily and then you thin them out at a later time. To me, that situation doesn't seem like a major issue. But if you plant an oak tree underneath power lines, then, then that is a problem. You know, you try to think about what what the long term conflict will be and whether or not it's tolerable. I mean, let's face it. We talked about your crab apple earlier. Um, it was it was sentenced to be cut down five years ago. It's still only 25 years. Crab apples. We still have, you know, uh, Johnny Appleseed trees out and about and which are 100 years old. You know what? 200 years old. Um, you know, obviously, trees have a life and they can live full lives or they can be shortened based on how we care for them or the plans that we have for them. Sometimes you overplant and you thin out as time goes on. Sometimes you can simply plant the wrong tree in the wrong space. And that could be because the soil conditions, the water, the space that you need for the tree to mature. Um, and then you think about urban areas, urban area trees only have a life expectancy of, you know, 15 to 20 years. They just accept that and they get the best they can out of the tree's useful life. And then they replace it. Well, Brad, I'm going to leave it right there. That's great advice for anybody thinking about uh, planting trees or caring for their trees in the spring. I appreciate your time, and that was a lot of fun. I'm glad you're working on a good team. Yeah, it all comes down to goals, what your goals are, and, and we can help you figure out the best way to, to achieve those goals. All right, Brad, thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Doug. Take care. You know, I'm thinking I should recommend the Davy team to coach my beloved Cleveland Browns, the way that sounded. Now, next week... Seeing green this St. Patrick's Day, we're going to learn when should the leaves come back on our trees. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. We're having fun, aren't we? And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.